Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the Metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. This episode of the Bearstalk Underground is brought to you by Sports Drink. Your digital water cooler. Sports Drink is a newly created internet community that tries to find the intersection of sports and not sports. They're here to help us grow and to hate your favorite team. A rising tide lifts all boats, so go check them out online or in social. Go to sportsdrink.org or open Instagram and type in Sports Drink. Spelled like Sports Drink, but without the vowels. So S-P-R-T-S-D-R-N-K. All we ask is that you close the door behind you. We're trying not to let out the funk. <laughs> What's up, guys? So we finally made it. The preseason is kicked off, so one one less hurdle between us and the 2022 regular season starting. We've, we've, we've stumbled upon our very first review episode of 2022, and I have a very special guest that will be joining us for this uh, special uh, occasion. So uh, without further ado, let's just go ahead and dive right in. It is the week one preseason, preseason week one review episode of the Bears Talk Underground. So let's get to it. Hang up the telephone. I hear the dial tone. Ringing out loud week one of the preseason in the books and our beloved Chicago Bears have their first victory of the Matt Eberflus era. It doesn't quite count just yet, but a win's a win. Good to see the team, uh, you know, out there on the field. Even though the field was a total wreck, and for uh, you know, for better or for worse, that has been the leading story thus far uh, about the game. Not so much that the Bears won, or how the backups played, or how Justin Fields looked in this first uh, look at the the brand new offense, but the field and the condition that the Chicago Park District felt it was in, that the NFL approved it, and all that kind of stuff. So, but here we are to talk about this first preseason game. And I have a guest host uh, for this week's uh, episode, all the way from Hobart, Indiana. It's my dad. Dad, <laughs> welcome to the show. 15 years on the podcast. First time. Here you are. Welcome aboard. Thanks for having me, finally. <laughs> Not, I ain't been knocking on the door for a while. Right. Yeah. Well, how many episodes have I done in your house? And <laughs> yeah. Like, hey, dad, just come down to the basement for a minute. Let's talk about this. So. So here we are. The, the Bears kicked things off at noon uh, yesterday in Soldier Field. And, um, you know, it's, 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 a, it's a six in one hand, half a dozen in the other kind of thing because we lost the first half 14 to nothing. The starters against, or at least the people highest on the depth chart that actually played because Robert Quinn didn't play. I think they, like the first three, our first three tight ends on the depth chart, Cole Komet, Ryan Griffin, uh, O'Shaughnessy, they didn't play. Uh, Riley Reef didn't play, so we didn't have our full starting offensive lineman out there. We've obviously it's been well documented the wide receivers that have gone down in camp, so no Valus Jones uh, and a couple of other guys uh, and everything. But our best against their best, we lose fourteen to nothing. The offense, you know, struggles a bit. I mean, Justin Fields four for seven, forty eight yards, so not terrible uh, or anything like that. And you know, he completed more than he didn't uh, in that one. But, um, you know, 
their their defense pretty much shut us down, and then their offense marched up and down the field. Uh, you know, in the first half to to have a perfect fourteen nothing uh, lead uh, after that uh, after that first half. So the first half was kind of discouraging. Uh, to watch with how easily Kansas City was able to move the ball up and down the field. They moved it pretty smooth. They just Mahomes looked like he was just just having a pitching catch yeah. out there with some of those guys, you know. And it looked real smooth, and he looked smooth. I'm like, we better do something real quick. <laughs> Thank God this one doesn't count because uh, I don't know how uh, how pretty the second half would have been had uh, you know it hadn't been time for. Well, actually, Mahomes sat down right after he marched the right up and down the field. But it was, you know, eight, nine plays, whatever it was, just all the ease that you can muster. And even without Travis, I think he, Travis Kelsey didn't play. But Oh, yeah, he did. Did he? Oh, he caught the first pass. Oh, first he did, pass. yeah. But it wasn't him that caught the touchdown pass, no. though. It was a different uh, tight end that caught the tight end screen. But right up the field they went uh, and, and put those uh, seven points uh, on the board and everything. And then we, we can – can't really get anything together. I think we were in our second or third uh, offensive drive before we finally got a first down. Um, but one thing that we can look at positively was that, you know, a lot of people have been mentioning in the you know day and a half since the game has been played that um, what you're seeing now, even though there was that one moment he held on the ball way too long, a guy came out of the backfield, he was wide open right away, and he's looking downfield, 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 almost gets sacked before he finally throws it away. He had better recognition when he was under pressure, like that one throw he made to Tajay Sharp where he made that crazy oh, yeah. one-handed catch. It was like the, he recognized the blitz. He adjusted the, the protection. He slides to the right. Boom, gets the ball out. Guy makes a crazy catch. Ball placement was insane, which he was known for his accuracy coming in. So, you know, you saw some good things from Justin Fields, but it still looks like we need a lot of work on the offensive line. Yeah. we uh, The guy's not keeping him off of him enough. You know, our quarterback cannot be – in a constant hustle yeah. all the time. He's always like, rush, rush, rush. He, he says hike, and the other 11 guys are standing on the other side of the line going, okay. Yeah. Uh, so, no, we our line's got to keep him off of him a little bit longer. I, I think the kid could do some damage to you if you give him a little, just a second more time, yeah. you, you get him. Well, even though, like, you know, rushing him and making him break the pocket plays it to a strength of his, he can run, he's like 4-4 four, four speed, he can run. But he's got to get through the line of scrimmage first. If go. the entire defense is bearing down on him, no pun intended, it's going to be difficult for him to do his damage with his feet like we know uh, that he can. But when he's got – when he recognized the pressure and breaks the pocket, we saw him run for a first down uh, yesterday. He had that great throw uh, to Mooney um, uh, and everything. So it's like we've, we've seen some improvement from Justin Fields. Hopefully on Thursday we play the Titans, play a little bit longer, get to see a little bit more of him maybe get some more of our guys out there. I think Bayless Jones is actually going to play on Thursday uh, and whatnot. So hopefully we get to see a bit more out of the starters. On the on the defensive side, you know, the, the, the frustrating part about the preseason, especially this in particular preseason, is that we don't know who half these guys are. That's because sure. Ryan Poles really did overhaul the team and you're looking at familiar numbers with unfamiliar bodies in them. Right. You know, who I didn't know who 55 was until we were about halfway into that. Oh, that's Alakeen Muhammad or Kadena. Yeah, I want to say Doug Buffon, but yeah, that wouldn't be right. You know, not Lance Briggs or anybody <laughs> like that. It's, it's Muhammad, the guy that we signed from uh, Indianapolis uh, out there. And, you know, I, it took me the longest time to find out who 23 was. Turns out it's Lamar Jackson, not the quarterback from the 
Ravens, but apparently some DB that's on the team is like, I didn't know we had a guy named Lamar Jackson yeah. on the team, but there he is missing a wide open tackle uh, out <laughs> in the middle of the yeah. winning the field wearing Devin Hester's numbers. Like, who is this? And, the th- and what was even more irritating is that when I went to the Bears app to try to find the roster, it was in alphabetical order by name as opposed to numerical order, which would have made it so much easier to no. find these guys. Like, if I knew their name, I wouldn't be searching the app to find out who this was. So, but that was kind of frustrating. But Jaquan Brisker um, was all over the place, essentially there in the first half, almost picked off a pass, seemed to be in on just about every tackle, knocked a, you know, had a pass defense uh, in there. So, I mean, that was encouraging uh, to see. We don't get to see Kyler Gordon. I heard he's supposed to play on Thursday for the first time okay. uh, as well. So, But I liked what I saw from Jaquan Brisker, despite the fact he was wearing Jim McMahon's and Robbie Gold's number. Right. <laughs> so it's, it's, I, I'm, I'm not a fan of the whole, you know, uh, just whatever. We, you can wear whatever number like we're in college no, I don't like uh, or anything. Like when we're, we're briefly watching the Giants game when they played the Patriots the other night. And Thibodeau, that big defensive end they drafted from Oregon, is wearing his college number, number five, uh, as a defensive end. No. No, it doesn't work. I don't like it. I really don't uh, like it. So I, I prefer to stick to, you know, backers being 40s and 50s and so on uh, and so forth. But one wish at a time, I suppose. So let me see. Check my notes here real quick. Anything else worth talking about on the first half before we talk about the good stuff in the – Second half, it's like the starting offensive line for the game. Um, Braxton Jones, that rookie, and he's a fifth or a sixth round pick, one to two. Cody Whitehair at left guard, Mustafer at center, uh, Michael Schofield at, uh, is his name Michael? It's Schofield for sure, I know that. And Larry Baram at right tackle. So Riley Reef out, Tevin Jenkins, second team. He did play uh, in the game uh, and everything. That was the starting. O-line, and I think I wrote the defensive line once I finally figured out what everybody's name was. Um, it was like, it was Muhammad and uh, Tonga, Justin Jones, and there was one, oh, Gibson was the starting front four uh, for us. And obviously Roquan in a t-shirt watching the game from the sideline in the midst of a contract. And it really depends who you believe uh, with this whole, because if you believe the story that Ian Rappaport put out, it's the Bears that are, you know, short and changing Roquan and that they're backloading it, which wouldn't make him the highest paid linebacker and blah, blah, blah. Or if you believe Adam Schefter, the Bears have made fair offers, but Roquan's looking to break the market and reset, you know, and, and make, you know, defensive end type money for an inside linebacker. I don't know why, to me, these guys are really emphasizing I'm the highest paid, I'm, you know. You're getting the money. Yeah. Okay. So you're not getting 95% of it the first day or whatever, how they're going to structure it. But is it really a big deal to say I'm the highest paid? What does that mean? Yeah. You know, I mean, the Bears' history, as I can remember it, uh, Richard Dent, after everything he did, finally got paid and he didn't do squat <laughs> after that. So, I mean, there's history there with the Bears playing pe- paying people. And after they get paid, the production goes down. They become more injury prone. Yeah. Uh, so there's a there's a history there. Yeah. Mike Mike Brown, Kyle Long, Tommy Harris, yeah. all got paid. All of a sudden, couldn't stay off the 
injured list, for better or for worse. You know, obviously they're not getting hurt on purpose, but no, you know, I'm not saying on purpose, but it just seems to when they were an underpaid, supposedly you know, hungry their, player, yeah, they were superstars, first year, their rookie deals and all that kind of stuff. Couldn't keep the guy off the field. You run him over with a car in the fifty yard line and just dust it off and get back in the huddle. Yeah. So, but anyway, the uh, the second string for the for the Chiefs uh, marched the field, score a touchdown to go up fourteen nothing, just before the end of the half, and they just to stick it to the Bears a little bit. They let one of their safeties kick the extra point. I didn't real I didn't realize that. I didn't I didn't realize it in the moment until they kind of made a big deal out of yeah. it after he. Did a I mean, good job. he put yeah, put it right through the uprights. He did exactly what he was uh, supposed to do, and then he was dancing all around the sidelines like it was the greatest thing he ever did. So you know, I was like, I'm, obviously, it wasn't taking offense as a preseason. Who cares? But uh, you know, just like the the announced team made a big deal out of it after he put it through the uh, uprights, and like I said, at the end of the f- the first half of football, we're down fourteen to nothing, and you know, our best isn't as good as their best. And that's kind of like where we're at anyway right now, with the Chiefs being one of the elite teams right. in the AFC, a perennial Super Bowl contender, and the Bears trying to dig themselves out from under Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace and their four years that's of destruction. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, and in our defense, we didn't have all of our guys out there. Yeah. The guys that will be out there week one are, uh, you know, a lot of them weren't there. Robert Quinn, Cole Komet, you know, the other two starting tight ends and – uh, most of our wide receiving core and, you know, our rookie corner that's supposed to be the bookend to Jalen Johnson and all that kind of stuff. So one good note uh, for the starters on defense, you know whose name I didn't hear, and I actually think this is a good thing for once, Eddie Jackson. Yeah. <laughs> Did not hear his name about some wildly missed tackle that he came in or, you know, what uh, what coverage he blew or, you know, what defender he let fall to the ground and didn't touch him before he get up and ran in for a touchdown uh, or anything like that. So as far as that goes, based on the news we've hear- been hearing about Eddie Jackson the last couple of seasons, no news is good news yeah. there. <laughs> if your name's not called, that's usually a good thing. Yeah. So, but, you know, not the best offensive line play in the first half, so hopefully we can get that tightened up. And, um, you know, I, I saw somebody tweet that, um, you know, Poles likes a, a smaller, faster offensive lineman and, and somebody kind of made the comments like maybe we're a little too small it looks like we're getting a, we're getting pushed around yeah. uh, out there so uh, maybe it was just you know with today's NFL these guys not exactly getting to bang around uh, very much or at least not going you know full bore ahead in, in practice or whatever that uh, some real live bodies and some real live hitting do these guys some good that maybe on Thursday when we see the Titans they tighten that up a bit yeah that's that's a good thing but you know you remember our championship bears of 85, our defensive front looked like models compared to these guys on now. Yeah. I mean, everybody, the only 300-pound guy you had was the fridge. Was the fridge. You know, McMichael Hampton and those, you know, Hartenstein, all those guys, they all slim-waisted. They fit in their uniforms. <laughs> wasn't no bulge hanging over their belt loops or nothing else. Yeah. And they were killing people, you know. So now, but they went for these big, huge guys. They're 300-plus pounders, but... Hey, maybe things are changing. Maybe it's trending going back the other way now. Maybe. We'll see. Um, but that's what uh, Ryan Poles was after because, uh, what's his name, uh, Luis Castillo, our O-line coach uh, for the last couple seasons, was more of the, you know, space eater kind of guys. That's why even though Barom was 350 when we drafted, he came in at 330, they didn't want him to lose another pound. They actually maybe thought about 
trying to get him to go back up a little bit. Oh, they wanted Jesus. him heavy. Yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, Ryan Poles comes in. He's like, yeah, no, I want you healthy. So there you go. slim it down a little bit. Let's get faster. Trim down the waist a little bit. Maybe you look down at the ground. You can actually see your toes. Then we can play some football, yeah. you know. So yeah. we'll, uh, we'll, we'll keep an eye on that. Uh, I saw some, uh, some calls on, uh, on Twitter this morning for, uh, like, um, I guess people not thinking that, that Schofield did all that well at right oh. guard. Maybe slide Tevin Jenkins on the inside, see how he does at guard, because everybody seems to think that's where he's going to end up anyway. Once whatever the hell was going on with him in camp was, you know, the, the whole trade talk and, and all that kind of stuff, oh, yeah. Willie won't he, you know, he's practicing on the side of the field with trainers as opposed to being with his teammates and everything. And then when he finally returned to practice this week, it was a much ado about nothing type situation to everybody involved. It's like he's working through something. We never found out what the injury was, if there was an injury, or if it really was like what people were saying. Like there's just a disconnect between the coach and the player, and they're not getting along kind of thing. Maybe they had a come-to-Jesus moment, (laughs) and they got him straightened out because he's practicing. He played on Saturday, so we'll see where that goes uh, from here. So, So we go to the... Second half, and truth be told, I wasn't expecting much after watching the Chiefs kind of dismantle us in the first uh, 30 minutes there. But the, uh, the Chiefs start with the ball, and like, what, one or two plays in, our, uh, our number one candidate for the guy that we're going to fall in love with and then be heartbroken when the Bears cut him, <laughs> uh, rookie uh, Jack Sanborn, uh, interte- intercepts a pass, like second, third play of the uh, third quarter, gives the ball the Bears their best field position all day, the 30-yard line, and um, Trevor Simeon hit uh, one of our draft picks, Tristan Ember, um, a few plays later for a 12-yard uh, touchdown run, put us in the end zone just like that where it's 14-6, to six, and uh, we're off and running. But like I said, that kid Sanborn, there he is. Apparently he was a stud at Wisconsin, but he's not the world's greatest athlete. But he's instinctive. Obviously, he finds himself in the right place at the right there, time. There when he needed him. Yeah. He picks off that pass and, you know, gives the Bears their best shot at points all day long. I mean, the our offense in the first half didn't even get into field goal range. No. And three plays on the field with this kid. We're at the 30. Cairo can put it in from the 30. So, hey, we're in good shape from the beginning. We're going to get points out of this. Well, he recovered that fumble also, don't forget. Yeah. And uh, so, I mean, but the guy is... He's all over, and I, I was I was telling you, I said, you know, this guy, guy kind of reminds me of a young Erlacher. Mm-hmm. He just happens to be at the right place at the right time. Yeah. And due to Bears history, and which I've reiterated to my family and my son here just so many times over, you'll see a guy in practice, or the, a preseason, I should say, and he does all these things, and everybody's like, all you can do is talk about this guy, and he's the first guy they cut. <laughs> You know, or put him on the practice squad and yeah. Green Bay or Minnesota takes him. Yeah. You know, so, hey, if this guy performs again in Tennessee in, like he did, you better get him under lock and key because yeah. he's going to be something, I think. Yeah, and don't risk putting him on waivers or putting him, you know, oh, he hoping he'll pass. get on the practice squad. Somebody will, somebody will pick him up. So, hopefully, uh, I mean, he had seven tackles. He had the interception. He had a forced fumble. Um, or not a fumble, but a fumble, forced fumble, but a fumble recovery, uh, you know, and he made some tackles on special teams yeah. uh, as well. So, I mean, the guy was literally everywhere. By the end of the last, you know, 30 minutes of the game, everybody knew who number 57 was. Um, he's the, you know, there's one every year. Usually you hear about him in training camp, but this time it happened in the first preseason game, that darling of that guy you're going to keep your eye on now 
going forward. Didn't know his name when the game started, but you, no. you definitely knew every, knew who he was uh, by the end of it. So, I mean, it was a uh, it was an impressive uh, debut uh, for Sanborn, and hopefully not the last that we will see of him in Soldier Field because the Bears don't return to Soldier Field until we play the 49ers week one wow. uh, of the season. Well, maybe we have, some grass will grow by then. Maybe. Maybe. Jesus Christ. Because we have the, the nine home games in that unbalanced schedule, we only get one preseason game, so it's 10 and 10. So one wow. home game in the preseason, nine home games during the regular season, two on the road in the preseason, eight on the road in the regular season. So it's 10 and 10. And so that's the only time that we'll see Sanborn in a Bear Navy uniform until if he <laughs> makes it to the uh, onto the team. I mean, and just from what I saw, I was like, well, we could definitely use him on special teams. Yeah. So yeah. we should definitely uh, hang on to him. So other bright spots in the second half, uh, Trevor Simeon, uh, you know, did well. He was uh, 7 of 13 for 89 yards and two touchdowns uh, in the game. Uh, threw a really nice ball to um, Daz Newsom uh, in the corner of the end zone for our second touchdown. And I think it was actually after, like you said, Sanborn recovered the fumble. No, that happened afterwards. Yeah. That happened after the second touchdown, as I'm looking at my uh, notes here. But it's like uh, Dominique Robinson, our fifth-round choice, had a big sack on first down. He got away with a face mask penalty because uh, he grabbed the quarterback. From behind, he grabbed the quarterback's face mask as they were going down. So... Good on the referees for not calling uh, that one. And that seemed to juice up the offense because we knocked them three and out, get the ball back, and, you know. Don't put forget, it in the end zone. Uh, you're, you're forgetting the, the, unless you got it somewhere in your notes, that late hit on field they never oh, called. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, that was. Uh, <laughs> Justin was joking about that in the, the post game presser. Somebody asked him about it, and he said, I guess um, I have to wait about four or five years before I start getting those calls, he says with a smile on his face. Uh, in jest but yeah that's uh i guess it's preseason for everybody when the referees uh blow a, an obvious call like that because not only was it well established that fields was giving himself up that he was doing the slide but the guy also leaned into yeah the tackle so and it wasn't was standing behind him yeah was standing right there <laughs> they basically landed right at his feet nobody makes the call uh what i did like though was baram and schofield getting in that guy's face yeah. That was something that was sorely missing last year when Justin was taking all of his right, lumps. Right. And then the one guy who did get on somebody gets berated by his own teammate on national television uh, when, when Afidi was pushing Tevin Jenkins back into the uh, huddle, which is why he's in Atlanta and not in Chicago uh, <laughs> anymore because Poles is like, yeah, don't need a guy like that uh, on my team. But, um, yeah, I mean, the, there was some, some good-looking things. Uh, Luke Getze seemed to mix it up with the play calling. Uh, even when he called the reverses in the Matt Nagy era, every defense in the NFL could see those coming. Oh, yeah. And we ran two reverses that were very successful uh, yesterday when we ran them against the, uh, the Chiefs. So it was either like a well-timed thing or he just knew this would work or whatever, but he's showing to be a much smaller, smarter play caller. Granted, small sample size, but you know, just about anything that he wanted to do when the offensive line did their job. Right. Seemed to work uh, yesterday because when we tr- when we seemed to run run the ball and we could get past the line of scrimmage, Ebner, uh, 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 what's the word I'm looking for? Averaged five yards a carry uh, yesterday. Kalu Herbert got you know some good yardage and what was it was it was it Newsom and I think uh, Newsom ran one of the reverses and I think it was 
Your favorite name on the team, uh, Equinemius uh, St. Brown. Say that with a mouthful, i tell you that much. Yeah, I I don't know if they both went to Notre Dame. I know St. Brown, uh, Equinemius did. No, Amon Ra, that plays for the Lions, went to USC. Oh, okay. But their dad, whose name I can't remember at the moment, obviously something St. Brown, um, decided that he wanted to name his kids after, like, Egyptian pharaohs or something like and that. And why wouldn't you? Yeah. So. But uh, apparently Equinemius is a the name of a Egyptian pharaoh at some point. In, well, you're uh, lucky. History. Your name was almost Zeus, so there you go. <laughs> yeah. So. I bet it was. <laughs> I bet. I bet it was. But to sum up the second half, you know, the, the, the backups dominated – the second half, the defense completely shut Kansas City down. The, the success that they had marching up and down the field wasn't there uh, in the second half, and the offense was able to move the ball with um, much better with Trevor Simeon than they did Nathan Peterman, who showed a few moments as to why he is the scariest quarterback in the NFL in the worst way possible. Yeah. He almost got picked <laughs> off a couple of times. Uh, some of his decision making wasn't great, and somehow he was still four for six. Um, only 36 yards, but not a complete uh, disaster. But a few of those, like, oh, please, God, don't let him be the be the one. Because I actually didn't know who the first quarterback off the bench was going to be. Mm. Okay. You know, that nobody, they really been talking about that. And then when, well, Justin Fields done for the day, I'm like, okay. And it's Trevor Simeon. Oh, thank God. <laughs> thank God it's Simeon. So, yeah. But um, a lot of young guys contributing in the second half, which bodes well for, you know, Ryan Poles, that the guys, the new guys and the young guys that he brought in, Dominique Robinson with a sack, Sanborn, an undrafted uh, free agent. We even saw, you know, good things out of Tristan Ember, who not only had the 30 yards rushing, but he he had some nice returns on special teams uh, as well. Our punter, Trenton Gill, our new sixth, seventh yeah. round punter, kicked the ball uh, really well. Some coffin corners there. Yeah, Braxton Jones, our starting left tackle, apparently. Uh, did some good things against the best that Kansas City had to offer uh, as well, and we came out with a win. So nineteen to Most uh, important thing nineteen to fourteen. You know it. Um, it and f- not to doom Matt Eberflus when I say this, but it reminded me a lot of the first preseason game under John Fox, whereas you saw the depth guys, the the guys on the back half of the roster, really showing out. You know, showing that right. they want to uh, be on the team or that they, they're buying into this hits principle with Eberflus, the hustle, the intensity, tackling, and all that kind of stuff. And, um, you know, it's like I liked what I saw from the younger guys, and at, at least we're going to see effort, if not talent, right off the bat with, yeah. uh, with a lot of these guys. Because Braxton Jones, uh, Kramer, the backup center right now, uh, Dominique Robinson, these are all day three picks, fifth, fifth sixth round uh, picks that um, you know are looked upon as more of uh, you know depth pieces, special teamers, maybe development guys, and uh, you know Braxton Jones is going to be a starter. Uh, you know, obviously Trenton Gill is going to be our, our punter, punter, and everything. So the earlier these guys can contribute, the better. So well, that's you know that's well, that's like every team's uh, best wishes for their players. That if I had to take out my starter, I plug in the second guy, and there's no letdown. Yeah, that's what I'm seeing. When I saw those other guys when they brought in the second string, they look good. Mm-hmm. They look real good, and they well, want to play. That was the thing that I loved about the um, that 1920 football drive video that the Bears posted on YouTube. They had Marinelli in the building, and he came in and he said that when he and Eberflus were together in Dallas, I believe that they never put a ceiling on a guy. 
as far as like we didn't bring you in. It's like, oh, you're a fifth-round guy. You're a special teamer. Maybe you'll contribute. It's like, no, we brought you in because we think that if, you know, like obviously there are people ahead of you on the depth chart, but if right. your time comes, we think you can do it. That's yeah. why we brought you in. Not be like, ah, well, just take that guy. You know, we, we, we need an extra linebacker, so bring this guy in. Right. It's like, no, they actually took the time to study the guy, and they brought in the guys that they wanted, people that they think will be able to fill in the gap while the starter's out or do something that can help, that can help the team if, uh, you know, if, if, you, you know, if, if, the, if, it, if duty calls. And I think we saw a lot of guys that were trying to live up to that yeah. Uh, on Saturday. So, you know, after seeing a lot of guys under Matt Nagy, especially last year, making business Please. decisions, uh, it, it was nice to see the effort uh, out of the guys on the back half of the roster and, and showing some steam to uh, want to be Chicago Bears full-time instead yeah. of being like, hey, I was with the Bears in the preseason one year. He actually, Nagy actually had a smile on his face sitting on the sidelines as opposed to uh, when he was a Bears coach, all he did look frustrated and confused. Yeah, uh, trying but, to figure uh, out the whys. Well, he, he knows all the answers, so yeah. you just have to ask him, you know. <laughs> but uh, it's just, uh, you know, even seeing him in another color uniform, that's good. Yeah. That's good. Yeah, and they, uh, they did – he and Fields did talk before the game. I saw a video of it, you know, smiling and laughing, and I, I wonder how genuine it actually was. Oh, probably none. Like, you ruined my rookie year, you yep. bald bastard. It's That's just, right. I, uh, I'm going to shake your hand so I can walk away now kind of thing. <laughs> so, but, um, yeah, and then, of course, there was that uh, somebody posted online, it was hilarious, that uh, Matt Nagy is uh, imploring Andy Reid to challenge um, to challenge the Bears that it's uh, against the rules to score 14 points and a half, <laughs> more than 14 points and a half or something in that regard yeah. that, you know, because hell Nagy never did it except for that, that one game where Trubisky threw five touchdown passes. That was about the only time that ever happened. So, um, but the Bears get the win and week one is uh, in the books. The looking to Thursday now with the second game with the, uh, the Titans where the starters will play a little bit longer and actually, it was kind of refreshing to see our starters play yes. after three years of, or actually even four years uh, of Nagy protecting the starters so that the first time they see the field is uh, week one of yeah, the regular season. That worked out well. Yeah. Not one time did it work well. <laughs> I think aside from that rookie dropping the touchdown pass in that Lions game, we didn't win week one. Not yeah. one time yeah. under Nagy. We lost to the Rams and we lost twice to the Packers. And then we go to Detroit, and if that kid had caught the pass, we should have lost. He would have been 0 for 4 week one as, as our head coach. And right. You know, it's like, yeah, maybe you should get these guys some reps in a real game before we play a real game. Um, no, that don't make no sense. Nah, no. So, but hopefully we'll, we'll see a little bit more of the starters. Maybe we'll hopefully see some more actual starters out there. Maybe we'll see Robert Quinn play a little bit, maybe a little bit Valus Jones, Kyler Gordon see more of our guys actually out there. I'd like to see Riley Reef out there too. So, but uh, that's what we have to look forward to on Thursday with the Titans and, um, you know, what we have to go against uh, there, who we're going to bring to the table with that one. And, and will we play the starters deeper in? Will they play the entire first quarter or, or whatever it uh, requires? Will we go old school with it or will they start to 
draw back in now that we're getting closer. I think so. they ought to play them. Just you know, go go first quarter. Let everybody. Well, I think go. Uber, I think Iberflus will actually uh, have them play uh, some. You know, some people are you know so paranoid about football players getting hurt in football games. It's, like it's kind of part of the game, but well, uh, you're getting guys hurt and not even playing the game. So yeah. I mean, it's be real. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, that's that that's the thing. We played like aside from Darnell Mooney, who's our right now is our number one receiver. I think the next guy off the, the, the depth chart was like number four or number five because Byron Pringle didn't play, Equinemia St. Brown didn't play. Those are two and three uh, right now, along with what they were telling us on, on the broadcast. The top three tight ends on the depth chart didn't play right. uh, as well. So hopefully we'll see some more of those guys play on uh, Thursday. Uh, national TV on ESPN, but it's not Troy Buck or Troy and uh, Troy Inkman and Joe Buck no. yet. Who we got? Uh, I forget who they said it was. One of them's Dan Orlovsky, which I'm not exactly thrilled with. But oh, the old quarterback there, yeah, who is one of the worst quarterbacks, <laughs> and somehow he's one of the top analysts that there they have. It's like, well, when you're a backup and you watch all that film, you learn a thing or two. But it's uh, those who can't teach, and uh, that's kind of what an analyst is. Yeah. So, yeah, that's why he's one of the best, uh, I guess. So, well. Um, Anything to add, Dad? Well, I'm just looking forward to the bear season finally. Even though I hate the seasons are changing, my summer is coming to an end. Yeah. Uh, but I'm excited to see the Bears. I'm excited to see it because of the new regime we have. Uh, we heard a lot about the good guys. I like what Paul is trying to do um, and everything with them. And it's just to see the atmosphere flows over to the players. You know, let's, let's get it going, guys. Because you know what? Bears are being a founder of the NFL. Let's live up to that. Yeah. Let's do that. Let's be the monsters of the midway that we know we can be, and let's just uh, stick it to them. Let's yeah. go. There's only uh, two day one 1920 franchises in, still in existence right now, and both of them are Chicago teams, the Bears and the Cardinals. Right. Who right. Uh, are obviously in Arizona now after moving across the map a few times. But, uh, you know, we're founding fathers, and um, one of the original – one of the original franchises, we have the most Hall of Famers, and I think we still lead the NFL in either wins or winning percentage, one yeah. of the two. So we still have the most wins in league history or the, the highest win percentage. or I, I don't know if, which is which. I think it's the most wins, actually. Yeah. But, um, you know, it would be nice to see the tradition come back where the Bears win more than they lose. And um, I'm excited to see this season get underway uh, as well, because um, like I was telling um, uh, Lauren Cox, who we've had on the show, um, I can't wait for the season to get started because I wanted to an- get some of these questions answered. You know, like for, for a little while there, the talking heads of ESPN and the NFL Network were deeming the Bears to be the worst team in the NFL Been uh, that. this yeah. year. And the only thing that bothered me more than them saying that is that with what we do and don't know about the team, there's you can't really argue against it right now because we did yeah. gut the entire roster. Yeah, We didn't have a lot of cap space to bring in any impact players. We didn't have a first-round pick this year. There was a lot that we didn't have going into this offseason, and what we brought in didn't exactly blow anybody's hair back. So we didn't get that one prize guy that somebody cut and be like, oh, look at this guy. We yeah. got him. How about that? <laughs> You know, we, this guy got cut, and he's willing to take the league minimum to come in because he's still making 80% of his salary from the other team. 
uh, or anything like that. So but the only thing with wrong with that is is just like even with the the Cubs baseball, they the, the, somebody that get to come available, and they won't even try for him. But who will take him? Your rival, Minnesota, yeah. Detroit, Green Bay. They'll get him and they'll play against you, and he'll burn you. Yeah. So I'm just like. Come on, guys. I mean, you, you take a chance on anybody, you know. So but let's 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 just play, guys. And oh yeah, yeah build the new stadium. Get out of Chicago. Oh man, oh, yeah, get after, out of Chicago. Yeah. <laughs> after after yesterday, it was apparently we're forty eight hours removed from an Elton John uh, concert, and somehow he's still selling out stadiums. I don't know how, but um, I like Elton music. But yeah, hey, you messed up my football game. <laughs> <laughs> don't know how he's pulling in seventy thousand people at this stage of his career but uh god bless him but uh yeah it wrecked the field and you know empty patches dried patches oh, dead patches you know horrible. like they had watered the field or anything like that and apparently they're going to resod the field between another concert and week one super yeah so yeah. there's going to be another show at soldier field between now and september 11th when the bears kick off and it will be resodded so apparently the entire field will be green. Absolutely. When we play uh, the 49ers uh, for week one. So it's, always fun. it's always nice watching chunks of sod <laughs> go flying in the air when a guy's trying to make a cut on yeah. the field. Cairo Santos said that he lives in Florida during the offseason that he was purposely going to like the worst-kept fields and stuff to kick on in the offseason to simulate what he would have to deal with. Smart guy. In Soldier Field as far as like his footing and mm-hmm. uh, and all that kind of stuff because – not only is Soldier Field, uh, you know, one of the more impossible places to kick in because it's basically a wind tunnel coming right off the lakefront. It is. Uh, you know, the Chicago Park District is really dedicated in delivering the worst field humanly possible each and every season. Uh, so, you know, you got to prepare yourself for that. Not only are you kicking against the elements, but the field is garbage at the same time, so your feet might come out from underneath he you. He should have probably went to a rock quarry and tried to play Maybe. kick. Yeah, that might have been a good idea uh, for him, but um, yeah, I'm uh, I'm uh, hoping that the Arlington thing, Arlington Heights thing, happens. It looks like it will because that ridiculous proposal that uh, the the thriller zombie uh, made Beetlejuice. You you see Beetlejuice? Yeah, I see the I zombie. Look, I, I see, see I see Michael Jackson thriller turning to a zombie. In oh yeah, yeah. Well, that's close too. That's either. what I see when yeah. I look at her. I just but, won't uh, see the name three times in a row, though. That's all. <laughs> so, but yeah. So, like the proposal, like the drawings look good. Yeah, but they're about twenty years too late. Absolutely. And the the one thing is, like, I was, I didn't. There there weren't a lot of details about the structure itself. But it's it's got a, a roof over the top of it, but it looks like each end of the field is still open. It's like so if you thought it was hard to kick in Soldier Field before, wait till that wind you tunnel. are literally creating a wind tunnel now. <laughs> literally, you know, because the stadium is still going to be right there on the lakefront. Yeah. So that water, that wind comes through. Now it's got a a literal tunnel to shoot right through. Yeah. And yeah. I didn't see windows like like the stadium in Indianapolis, yeah, where you could close them and leave them, close them and open them and and, and all that kind of stuff. So. I was like, they were beautiful drawings, you know. I really thought they were nicely done, but it's, like, it's too late. They've already paid for the land. They're yeah, going to build a stadium. Gone. I hope it's done. Go. It's done, to y'all. So, you know, but if uh, but Brian Urlacher doesn't think they should put a dome on it. he's Well, who cares whether or not if he says yeah. they need to put a dome on it. They that do. way they can play in any kind of weather, you know. And well, it's, 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 it makes sense. That's when's all. the last time bare weather was an actual thing? 
during the championship it was. Yeah. So yeah. it's like the only two times I can think of since 85, just off the top of my head, that were the where bare weather was actually a thing, where the elements played a factor, was the NFC Championship and we beat the Saints. It started snowing. We're playing against the Dome team out there in yeah. you know, late January and all that kind of stuff. And then in 2018 when we played the Rams. Right. We played them in December. It was cold outside, defensive battle. They you know, just didn't seem like they were prepared for the elements. But that's you know, obviously it's only two games in the thirty six years since the Bears, you know, it won in eighty five, thirty seven now. God help me. But, you know, I'm sure there have been a few more in that instance, but it it's not the thing that it used to be right, back right. then. It was like, oh yeah, the forty nine is coming to the Chicago in December. Bear weather, we're gonna get them, you know. Yeah. They won't be able to handle it, those California boys. That stopped being a thing a long time ago. Absolutely. So, you know, it, it went hand in hand with the fact that not only were we dominant, but now we're in these horrible elements that we thrive in and we're going to destroy you. And that's what they used to do. Yeah. That hasn't been a thing for a very long time. No, not at all. So not put a dome all. over the top of it. You know, wouldn't it be Retractable's fun? fine. Yeah. If it's, if it's pretty, it could be a little cold, but if it's pretty, open it up. But if it's going to be, you know, inclement weather, rain, snow, a lot of snow, no, no, close that door. Yeah. You know. So, but yeah, it's, uh, you know, not to mention, it just makes too much sense money-wise for the, for the McCaskies to uh, put a dome over top of it. That's another issue. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> that will always be an issue, it <laughs> appears sure. to be. But, um, you know... You'll probably see a Super Bowl there for you wrestling fans. WrestleMania. You yeah, know that, I mean, even though he's not in charge anymore, you know Vince is dying to go back to Chicago sure. for WrestleMania uh, and everything. The Final Four, you know. The Big Ten is based in Chicago. I'm sure you'll see that Big Ten championship move from Indianapolis to Arlington Heights to be there in the Chicago area. And so many things that could be done there. So many money-making opportunities. Oh, it's not endless. to mention... It wouldn't be a bad idea to have a concert in a stadium that's got field turf in it. Let them go ahead and do something. It's indestructible yeah. surface. Yeah, that's so, for sure. Yeah, a lot that can be done there that can't be done. And more importantly for the organization, they would own the field. That's the biggest thing. Versus basically renting the space from if the city. If they want something done, they can do it. They ain't got to ask permission. Right. Yeah. So, Okay, guys. I think we're going to go ahead and put a button on that one. The Bears win 19-14. to 14. We look forward to week two against the titans so i'll be back either friday saturday at the latest reviewing uh that ball game and look forward to the finale against cleveland and then the two-week break between the last game of the preseason and the first game of the regular season it's gonna be the longest 14 days of my life right there but um so yeah that's going to do it uh come back next weekend when we review week two dad thanks for for joining me thanks and, for having me and until then my name is Larry D, and this has been the Bear Sock Underground. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. 
Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast.